Nikosian Kat, produced and presented by Andromachis of Ocleus and Kemal Baikali. Politics on both sides of the divide continue to fail addressing the real issues. In this episode, we give our thoughts on the announcement of candidacy by former Minister of Foreign Affairs Nikos Christodoulidis and Akel's intention to run with former Greek Cypriot negotiator Andreas Mavroyannis, as well as everything else you need to know on the Republic of Cyprus presidential election. We also discuss how Turkey's continuous intervention in the Turkish Cypriot politics continue to melt down the institutions and politics in the Turkish Cypriot community. Welcome to Nikosia Ankat. Hello, Andromahi. Hello, Kemal. How are you? I am okay. I have been following the developments in the Greek Cypriot politics. In the last episode of our podcast, we were discussing the Turkish Cypriot politics. Maybe I can uh, briefly mention what's going on in the end. But let's talk about uh, the Greek Cypriot politics. We are now talking about two new candidates uh, since our last podcast. We knew that Mr. Neofidou was actually a candidate of DC. And now Mr. Christodoulidis, the former foreign minister, has announced his candidacy. And, um, and Akel, the, the left party of Cyprus, um, has decided that uh, they are backing Mr. Mavroyannis, again, the former negotiator of Mr. Anastasiadis. And right at that time, I saw this uh, painting of the critical artist uh, Gavril um, depicting uh, Mr. Anastasiadis as a snake and then three candidates uh, uh, as uh, its ex. So basically trying to say that, that all three candidates of DC, Akel, and uh, currently, I think, independent, we don't know how Mr. Risotolidis' candidacies will be shaping up, um, are actually representing the same um, team that failed in Crown Montana uh, in the last, uh, you know, high-level talks that we were supposed to find a solution to the Cyprus problem. So what's going on? Yes, I think you gave a pretty good uh, summary of the situation, Kemal. Well, indeed, I think Mr. Anastasiaris must be sitting comfortably at his house in Limassol at the moment and thinking how uh, he's off the hook, basically, because uh, after 10 years of a government that has been accused of a series of scandals, a government that has been accused of corruption scandals, of, of its handling in the Cyprus problem, of uh, its handling of environmental issues. Suddenly, we are heading to elections without any criticism, basically, against this government. It's kind of a formidable fact. I mean, it's a, it's a formidable development, if you think about it. And uh, Mr. Anastasiadis must be very pleased because... Basically, there is uh, no uh, major candidate that will hit at the way he governed. And uh, of course, we are still waiting to see what uh, Mr. Mavroyanis's line will be when it comes to the um, Anastasiadis' government. Up to now, uh, he has made it clear that uh, he's in no disagreement with uh, President Anastasiadis in his handling of uh, Kramontana. In a recent podcast, he said that he had some issues with the handling 
of of Mr. Anastasiadis in some cases, but that they did not really have any uh, significant uh, disagreements on positions. So uh, I think Mr. Anastasiadis must be very comfortable at the moment. And uh, this is the reason why after uh, both Mr. Mavroyanis was selected from the Central Committee of Akel and after Mr. Christodoulidis uh, uh positioned himself as a as an independent candidate mr uh, anastasiadis all too comfortable said i do not want to uh, uh comment on people with whom i previously collaborated and i must say that uh, there are a lot of rumors um that have actually seen the light as well that mr anastasiadis is behind the scenes working for mr christodoulidis we have information about uh, meetings in Limassol between the various businesses, businessmen who are uh, in the circle of Mr. Anastasiadis. And these people are now coming um, forward towards uh, backing um, Mr. Christodoulidis' candidacy. So it's, I honestly believe that the, the position of Mr. Anastasiadis in this whole thing is very interesting because on the one hand, he's comfortable enough that he's not going to get hit, particularly hit um, during this election period. But at the same time, um, this clear public position on the side of Mr. Averov Neofidou is actually contradicted by all the other information that we get about what happens behind the scenes. Um, and truth be told, had Mr. Anastasiadis really wanted to basically diminish Mr. Christodoulidis' uh, fame and popularity in the circles of, the, of uh, the Democratic Rally, it would have been very easy for Mr. Anastasiadis to do it. I mean, if he publicly positioned himself against him. But he fails to do that. He expresses his support for Mr. Neofito, but he has not taken any other uh, position against Mr. Christodoulidis. So uh, I think that is also an indication about where he stands. You know, we are living in interesting times that nowadays everywhere in the world, people believe in conspiracy theories and grand narratives and grand designs. Had I been one of those people I would probably think that somebody actually designed the Greek Cypriot politics in a way that a real opposition to the system has not come out. I mean, all three candidates have been relevant, have been related with Mr. Anastasiadis. And the true opposition to what he has achieved or not, what he has done or what he hasn't done over the course of the years, did not come out of, of, of this, this political party system. Now, we know that there are also currently two independent candidates, Mr. Uh, Mario Siliadis, former uh, lawyer slash business person, and, uh, well, the, the real, I think, uh, the other stronger independent candidate is Mr. Uh, Achilleas Dimitriadis, um, so, son of former mayor of Nicosia, who recently passed away, Mr. Lelos Dimitriadis, who is known to be challenging uh, Turkey in multiple cases in the European Court of Human Rights. And uh, especially among the pro-solution circles and in, in Nicosia circles, I know that uh, he is uh, quite popular. And I know also that he was one of the potential um, candidates uh, considered by Akel. Eventually, that didn't happen, and uh, you know um, he wasn't uh, supported by Akel. So my question to you: How come that the system did not 
produce a real contender to the existing system? Well, I think the system is very good at producing people that will perpetuate it rather than demolish it. Uh, but uh, I believe that there is a clear lack of political depth in our political system. I think that we are living in a highly apolitical setting, in a setting in which politics, ideologies, concrete policies do not really matter. And they do not really matter with the average Greek Cypriot voter as well. So that is also important to consider it because the the average Greek Cypriot voter is so pressed by everyday uh, issues that they are not, uh, you know, looking at candidates' policies. They are really looking at hearing something that will give them some hope uh, out of the current situation. It is sad, and I honestly believe that it is sad for those who have been claiming to desire change, that uh, the current uh, situation presents them with three major candidates that are in some way linked to the present government. I want to say something on this point, Kemal. Mr. Achilles Dimitriadis could have been the candidate of Akel. We need to make it clear that it is the Central Committee of Akel that has agreed on Mr. Mavroyannis um, in a very um, divisive vote, we must say. I mean, there were uh, around 50 people voting in favor of Mr. Mavroyannis and around 37 people voting in favor of Mr. Achilles Dimitriadis. So the dynamics within Akel were very tight uh, because they understand that the only way for them to be able to make it to the second round is if they are able to gain some of the percentage of those people that really desire change and and that they would not want to vote for two people that are uh, of such high profile in the um, present uh, Anastasiadis government. Having said that, there is another person who would be suited by Akel going to the second round, and that is Mr. Averov Neofidu. In our last podcast, we had explained how uh, the worst case scenario for Mr. Averov would have been a, a very strong Akel candidacy and a strong Christodoulidis candidacy that would lead to the second round, Mr. Christodoulidis, well, and, and Akel's candidate, and leave potentially leave Mr. Neofitu outside of the second round. As things stand, though, Mr. Averov Neofitu must have a reason to smile because with Akel's choice to put forward Mr. Mavroyannis, Akel has basically weakened the third pole, let's say. It has weakened that poll that would represent at least some sort of a reaction against the present situation, against the present uh, government and present politics. So Mr. Averov Neofidu is in fact suited by this situation because in this way, my personal opinion is that Akel's candidacy is weakened. So Mr. Neofidu might have an easier um, road to reach to the second round. Having said this though, the second round is yet another huge issue for Mr. Neofidu because for him, another, maybe the worst scenario of his career would be to go to a second round with Mr. Christodoulidis. Why is this? Because it is highly probable that in that scenario, Mr. Christodoulidis will be the one to win the race. And this would mean, in all honesty, it would mean the withdrawal of Mr. Averov Neofidu from politics because it will 
be a huge blow. We are talking about the leader of the governing party who basically forced out of the government Mr. Christodoulidis. He, he has basically divided his party over the, the name of Mr. Christodoulidis because there were a lot of people within DC that were supporting Mr. Christodoulidis' candidacy. In the case that Mr. Averofneo, if it reaches the second round with Christodoulidis, though, uh, then I'm sure that he must be dreading the case of uh, Mr. Christodoulidis uh, winning. On the contrary, if he has uh, to face the candidate of Akel, let's say, things will be much easier for him because there is a very strong anti-Akel sentiment in the conservative circles of the society. Even a defeat by Akel's candidate, it would still be a respectable loss because he will still have made it to the second round. Mr. Christodoulidis will still have been left out. So for him, it would be a much more respectable, let's say, uh, scenario to be in the second round with uh, Akel's candidate. So it is interesting to see how the candidates are positioning themselves in, in the face of all these developments. And it is interesting to see the dynamics. Everything is changing, Kemal. Everything is changing all the time. And I believe that we have a lot to see until the, uh, February 2023. Will Diko uh, have a candidate? So Diko, as things stand, it claims that it is still waiting to decide. There is a very strong uh, movement within Diko of people calling for uh, a support towards Mr. Christodoulidis. As I understand things, Mr. Christodoulidis was eager to announce his independent candidacy to give his candidacy the stigma, I mean, the positive stigma of independence and uh, any party that will eventually support him will come after. So that was very important for Mr. Christodoulidis to guard it because um, communications-wise, he's trying to sell himself as a candidate that goes beyond parties and a candidate that can unite. So it was important for him to come forward as an independent candidate. All the information we have up to now is that Diko will eventually support Mr. Christodoulidis. In fact, DC was lashing out against Diko yesterday, claiming that they are already in agreement with Mr. Christodoulidis and that they are not saying it publicly. You understand that the uh, C circles have put a lot of a lot of pressure on Diko not to support Mr. Christodoulidis. They are also putting a lot of pressure on the Democratic Front, Diba. I'm not sure the extent to which they can work their way around. And the reason is that uh, really in both parties, there is a very strong uh, support towards Mr. Christodoulidis. So regardless of what the leadership of these parties desire, the issue is what uh, their people within the party want, and it seems that they have a very strong liking towards Mr. Christodoulidis. So, I don't know, is there something you want to know about Mr. Christodoulidis' uh, announcement? If Well, rather than knowing about his announcement, I think it is a sign of uh, the impotency of politics on both sides of the divide. We'll briefly talk about uh, the politics in the Turkish Cypriot community Um if there is anything to talk about after what has been going on. But in the, you know, in the Greek Cypriot community, I would think that that Cyprus problem, reuniting the country, is one of the biggest projects of Republic of Cyprus since 1974, has hit the rocks and, and sunk in Crown Montana. Uh, well, Crash Montana, some would call it. And the idea 
of the ISMET that has been promoted by Mr. Um, the, 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 the whole leadership, but also by Mr. Christodoulides, also uh, proven to be um, a, not a very successful project. The idea of bringing all neighboring countries together, making sure that they are turning against Turkey, is actually not working either because we now see Turkey building um, again, uh, friendships with Egypt, with um, with Israel. The idea of, of, you know, all of his politics failed so far. I don't remember a single policy or politics or any achievement that he succeeded other than him being handsome, good-looking, soft-spoken, charismatic leader, supposedly, and everybody likes him. Uh, that's my perception about Mr. Christodoulides. I think he has a big responsibility to fail the biggest, um, the biggest project of Republic of Cyprus of the Greek Cypriots since 1974, and nobody's talking about it. The permanent partition of the country is there, and then these people were in charge, and they failed miserably and they don't even take responsibility out of this and nobody's asking them the you know any questions and but of course many people are also wondering uh, why akel has decided or well i think not final the process has not been finalized yet but everybody acknowledges that the decision will be mr mavroyanis and why mr mavroyanis that's also the question uh, many people are asking. Well, I think we should discuss about Mr. Mavroyanis and Mr. Christodoulidis a bit separately. And I'm starting with the latter, Mr. Mavroyanis. Look, in all honesty, I believe that Akel that has been feeling that it is left out of the political setting. It is kind of isolated. It is always in the corner. It is always, you know, the odd one out if you look at the political parties that make up the parliament. And I believe that Akel was afraid to run a campaign that will once again set it uh, so much um, aside from uh, the dominant rhetoric. Kemal, you know my position on what happened in Gran Montana. You also know that I, I believe that Mr. Anastasiadis, Mr. Averov, Neofito, and Mr. Christodoulidis have a huge share of responsibility. I also believe that Mr. Mavroyanis, being the negotiator, has also a share of responsibility, which for me is of a lower scale than of the political people around Mr. Anastasiadis. But we need to acknowledge, Kemal, that elections on the Cyprus problem and on what happened in Gran Montana took place in 2018. We had the presidential elections and they also took place in 2021. In both elections, the rhetoric of the governing party, the C, it was the one that succeeded. Mr. Anastasiadis got elected. The Democratic rally was the top of the race in the 2021 parliamentary elections. So I believe that Akel has realized that he cannot continue to insist on the on, on, on the issue of what happened in Gran Montana. But what did Mr. Anastasiadis say uh, when he was elected in the first and in the second time? He promised to deliver unification based on by communal by zonal federation. And even Mr. Christodoulidis, a few days ago when he was announcing his candidacy, to, every, to everybody's surprise, or maybe not, um, he also said that his position that he supports BBF. So the, the, the issue is that everybody's promising unification based on BBF, 
But people are not uh, holding them responsible for their actions, for their deeds. And for Akel, my criticism is, yes, you will continue to be uh, outside the main politics because your job is to redesign the politics, not try to uh, try to um, get an upper, upper hand on You will lose few elections, but you have to work for this. I mean, this is the idea of any political party. Look, Kemal, uh, choosing Mr. Mavroyanis, and I said it the last time, nobody's doubting the credentials of this candidate, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking strategically. Choosing Mr. Mavroyanis is a huge ideological setback. I believe the consequences of this setback uh, will be faced by Akel very soon and, uh, and in the near future. And I believe that uh, Akel has once again chosen to go, let's say, for the easy way out. Having said that, though, I still believe that their political analysis of the situation is problematic because... First of all, I honestly think that uh, the Cyprus problem should not be the major issue of these elections. There are other issues that are more pressing at the moment for the average Greek Cypriot citizen and for the future of the state that should be put forward. And at the same time, I still think that the ideas when it comes to a peace, solution, rapprochement on the island uh, should be much more groundbreaking than simply using same old, same old commitment to a BBF because that is so easy to say it and that is such an easy way out when today we need to be discussing how the Republic of Cyprus is helping the Turkish Cypriots, how the Republic of Cyprus is, is reacting to all the struggles that the Turkish Cypriots are going through. And this, all of these issues are absent and not only all of them. My old three kind candidates are supporting BBF. But, but, but it's not a matter of a BBF anymore. When, and I'm not saying that, the, what I'm saying is that BBF is the easy sounding way out of every single candidate who does not want to talk real concrete politics regarding the exactly. Cyprus problem on the island. And today there are issues and there are pending issues that the, the political parties should open their eyes to. And there is no candidate absolutely no candidate who has put forward a single idea of this sort. Uh, having said that, though, the fact that Akel has chosen Mr. Mavroyanis, it is like it is going to a battle and has revealed to, his oppo- to its opponents its Achilles heel before going to the battle. And what is Mr. Mavroyanis' Achilles uh, heel? It is the fact that he was president in Gran Montana. And why am I saying this? I'm saying this because when for five years you, you have been criticizing President Anastasiadis and the whole government for its handling of the Gran Montana conference, and you are putting forward a candidate who is publicly even today saying that he does not disagree with the um, positions of Mr. Anastasiadis in Gran Montana, then immediately it's like you are offering your opponents the thing to be hitting you with every single time you try to make a political point and they are not going to allow you to, you know, make a political statement out of Mr. Mavroyanis' candidacy. So, yeah, I, I, I still think that this is um, politically a um, problematic choice, we, but we, we, I want to say something about Mr. Christodoulidis. Because you refer all the time about the lack, uh, I, I totally agree on your analysis about how his uh, his uh, rule in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs went. I mean, we if there is one political analysis program that was criticizing Mr. Christodoulidis even before he left the government. I think this is the Nicosian cut. Uh, having said that, though, what is the issue with Mr. Christodoulidis? The issue with Mr. Christodoulidis is the fact that 
I fully agree that he's trying to basically uh, please everyone. In the announcement of his candidacy, he had a, a position for everyone. I mean, he, he referred to the birth deficit, but he also referred to diversity. He referred to the need to be respecting international law when it comes to the refugee issue, but he referred to zero tolerance to people that are not entitled to asylum. Honestly, if we had more time, I could really <laughs> show the, the, the contrast in everything he was saying. Having said that, though, really, in a setting in which the political depth is so shallow and political understanding is so problematic, people do not even care about this. People will not even point these things out. What they see in Mr. Christodoulidis is a popular figure, a figure that is a he fits the, the mainstream Greek Cypriot mentalité. He's a religious person, a family man. He has four children. I mean, it all falls into this. When it comes to his politics, even in, his, in the announcement of his candidacy, he made no mention of, of what he did in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs because he had no successes to show. But what the problem is, is that his opponents are not very much different. So when he's compared to Mr. Averov Neofitu, who has been in politics for so many years, for whom people have a concrete opinion. So when, when he's compared to these people, Mr. Christodoulidis' lack of political depth is not really a problem. And I think that this is something that all communications experts working in this campaign, they need to point out. We, we can be doing analysis after analysis, criticizing the lack of policies presented by Mr. Christodoulidis. We can be saying how he's, he's just trying to please everyone and offers keywords to everyone. And the, the, the most funny example about this is the fact that he referred to a BBF and yet he was receiving positive comments by the most staunch anti-federation uh, social media users. So that goes to show. But at the end of the day, this is the political setting in Cyprus for so year, so many years. Since episode one, uh, you know, the very vision of Nicosia Ankat, what we have been seeing for a very, since the beginning, is that every problem that we encounter today is directly or sometimes indirectly are uh, they are related with the Cyprus problem, with the division of the country, with the status quo, right? And uh, I think we have all, always pro provided uh, very strong arguments and facts and figures explaining this this situation. Now we come to the situation. We understand that in the minds of the voters, Cyprus problem not is not even in the first three, right? They simply believe that because there is Erdogan, because Tatar is there, there is no prospect anyway. Why should we start discussing Cyprus problem? There are other pending issues. Now, of course, I'll, I'll say two things about this. Number one, we all need to remember there will be elections in Turkey in 2023. I know that many people believe that since um, Erdogan is an you know, authoritarian leader, controlled each and every institution, it shouldn't be very difficult for him to win the elections again. But that is not given. That's that's uh, you know we don't know what's going to happen. So we we know that the context, uh, the discussions for the Cyprus problem can change any time because of the developments in the region as well. This is why it is very important 
for the system, for the political parties, the elite, the political elite, to show this the possibility and then remind the voters should have shaped up the voters a long time ago to prepare them for, for this. And number two, there was also something that Akel should have done since Gran Montana. Instead, you know, they okay, they criticized that uh, the Anastasia's government, but that's it. I mean, Akenji was there, he lost the elections, Tatar came to power. We all know that it's also relevant with the developments in, in Gran Montana. Every passing day, you know, the, the, the division of, of the country is becoming even more permanent. And no political party has actually brought it up to an upper in the ranks of the discussion points. I mean, that's that's the failure. And now that we are at this stage, of course, we don't expect anybody to, to start discussing the Cyprus problem because it's not in the priority of the, the waters uh, discussion points. And this is why I also criticize Akel in that because there was a, a fertile ground for Akel to actually to capitalize on that. Instead, they're, they're just trying to get the next battle always, the, the, the upcoming battle, rather than, you know, drawing a vision for 10 years and trying to, to shape up the, the community. And this is what I, I was trying to say. Yeah, thank you, Kemal, for this. And you are absolutely right on this. And that, for me, is the biggest problem of the current uh, presidential campaign in the sense that we have people that do not seem to be in touch with the real problems of this island and people that do not whose analysis fails to grasp what is at stake today not 20 years ago not 10 years ago but today and this is the this, the most problematic thing uh, thing of all if i am to say and just um, in all honesty i see in mr christodoulidis a candidate that can that has the potential to be a very popular candidate. He is a candidate who, who, from his from the announcement of his campaign and from the work that I see being done you know, on social media, I think he has an American touch in these elections. He's he seems to be using uh, social media cleverly, and the fact that for some reason, which is beyond me, but the fact that he has managed to ensure an image in the Greek Cypriot public as someone who is outside this corrupt circle of what uh, people think of politics. And the fact that he has managed to distance himself, even from the Anastasiadis government, when it comes to the, the um, issues like the golden passport, etc., it shows that this is a very popular persona. And let's look around the world what happened when you had popular personas mostly a political popular personas running for elections. So honestly, it saddens me to see that nobody in this circle understands uh, what is at stake. Nobody seems to be able to know how to hit or how to sort of stand against Mr. Christodoulidis. And I honestly believe because I have seen the way this is trying to rally its supporters together, I honestly think that they have such a huge distance from the disillusionment of people in the political system that they might be in for a shock. So before putting down Mr. Christodoulidis' candidacy and like 
labeling everyone who supports him as I don't know what, we need to understand why is he popular? Why, when he says things that mostly, even they were also said by Mr. Averov Neofitu, a lot of the things that he said in his announcement, they were also said by Mr. Averov Neofitu, but Mr. Christodoulidis, for good or bad, has a way to uh, seem more genuine or he is more appealing to the psyche of the average Greek Cypriot voter. We need to have this in mind when we position ourselves uh, Uh, regarding the the candidacies. And the final thing here, I saw a lot of people commenting against the fact that Mr. Christodoulidis used crowdfunding. And uh, he had this he had this announcement that people can support him when he called for volunteers as well. This is something that happens across the globe. In the US, from Bernie Sanders to Donald Trump, you had people crowdfunding to their favor. Let's come in terms with time and let's see where we live rather than using uh, old rhetoric to attack uh, candidates. Yeah. You know, the issue of crowdfunding, of course, is that you can always uh, set a rule saying that um, um, above certain um, threshold, candidates should announce where the money is coming from in in terms of of, um, transparency. But but you are right. I mean, it is called fundraising. I mean, how how do you raise the funds? If you take it from a businessman, they attack you because you are going to be. It's a dirty business. If you ask it from the political party, ah, then you are actually using parties' funds. If you're asking from, um, let's say, from your voters, uh, the crowdfunding, some people complain. I mean, <laughs> so what what's the right thing to do? So, you know, as long as there is transparency about where the money is coming from, um, there shouldn't be any any problem in that. That's at least how I see it. You know, we've been talking about the Greek Cypriot politics today, but, uh, you know, I, I we, we might agree, we might disagree, but at least there is something to talk about. In the Turkish Cypriot politics, it is it is beyond belief what the things are going on. For some people, it's quite understandable. Basically, the, the UBP leader and the, the former prime minister, for some reason, some invisible hand decided that this gentleman is not good enough for the for the job. So what happened? Um, Mr. Tatar decided to allow another MP from the leading party to uh, set up the coalition. So imagine that you are the party leader, but you are not becoming a prime minister. And just before Mr. Tatar invited. A, a, an elder politician uh, from the party, an MP, to form the government. You know, the party leadership decided that we are not going to accept anyone else to become um, uh, the pr- prime minister because this party has a leader and this party leader should, you know, number the biggest party should be given the, the job. And after two days, everybody's decided that, yes, they accept this decision. They accept this decision that for the so that to keep the party integrated to make sure that stability happens. And but why, why if it's a democracy, if you're the biggest party, you got I don't know gazillion number of votes, and in the party race you got sixty percent votes. Why nobody is saying anything about it? What kind of a political party you are? I mean, we are not even discussing the politics. You might be pro-solution, anti-solution, you are in favor of privatization, no, you you are in favor of this and that, but at least you should have some sort of a, a dignity, at least to save the face, you know, you claim to be a separate independent country, you want a two-state solution, you don't even have a self-respect, you, you know, I mean, I... I 
I I'm trying to stop myself to say worse things, and you know, so this is another sign that you know, AK Party is now is directly involved in in shaping up the Turkish Cypriot politics, and then people are so upset. I mean, we know that Turkey has always played a role in Turkish Cypriot politics, but not that extent as I explained in the in the last podcast as well. So the, you know, uh, things are changing. I mean, I don't even want to mention the details, but the most important point here, to... I think, yeah, yeah, say, say it, Andromai. No, Kemal, because you sound so exasperated. I just want to give our listeners just a bit of context. Like I might pick up Kemal from like, I don't know, Lidra Palace and we have a meeting in the South and we go. And by the time he enters my car, he starts like complaining about <laughs> what happens in the North. He informs, he informs me about a new development. And then by the time I take him back... <laughs> He tells me, oh, remember when I told you something else happened. And so this exasperation, it's, <laughs> it's just the result of that. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a meltdown of the institutions and the politics. And I think people will react in a few uh, ways. I think, number one, I think people lost faith in the political system in the North. And I don't know what's going to happen because there is no strong alternative to them at the moment. And this is why we've criticized the Greek Cypriot politics as well, because if there was a real alternative to um, the existing situation, if there was a real genuine political process, I think, you know, things would be different. And number two, I think if there will be elections in the north very soon, I think uh, there will, you know, the, the leading right-wing party will somehow lose blood. But again, um, in real politics, I don't see any real alternative to the existing system. What if JTP will come to power? Yes, I'm sure there will be less um, meltdown. Uh, but in real terms, with these things, Turkey, uh, Turkey, Cypriots being very vulnerable to. To Turkey and um, you know um, Turkey's intervention. I don't know how things uh, will be different. Um, last one point. Um, I we remember TDP uh, was uh, received around four percent and left uh, be under the five percent threshold in the last elections. TDP is the party which was you know. Uh, known as uh, Mr. Akuncu's former party, but uh, now um, TDP is a new leader. A lawyer, a woman, an activist, a very vocal, a very, and uh, you know Mina Atle, who happened to even support uh, Mr. Shener Levent in the court as a lawyer. He, she's an activist. She's she doesn't have those uh, reflexes of oh, this is my party, this is your party. I don't do this. She's always out there. A few days ago, she posted something very harsh, uh, very very bitter criticism against. Um, Mr. Tatar, and uh, basically referring uh, to an, a Turk, an article in the Turkish Cypriot constitution, explaining how a Turkish Cypriot leader would be taken out uh, of his job uh, by the parliament in the north. Um, and that's the only um, way to do it is to accuse that person with, uh, with treason, with, uh, with, with being a traitor. And she referred to it, and then of course um, there was um, police invited her to to come and explain to decide whether there will be 
a public um, case against her because there is a law protecting the dignity of the, the president of the country as it was stated in the constitution in the north. So these are the, the latest developments and um, we'll see how things will be shaping up. The Turkish Cypriot politics in a, in a turmoil. There is a very strong Turkish interference and even right-wing political parties are and personalities are reacting to it. But we don't know how this will be evolving in the coming days. And Kemal, thank you very much for this. And in fact, I think that it brings us to a nice close because we've been talking about how the Republic of Cyprus and how the Greek Cypriot politicians are failing to uh, keep up with the times and to understand what is really at stake today. And I think that your conclusion, it really uh, puts the light on what is at stake And I think that your conclusion, it really summarizes so well all the difficulties that the Turkish Cypriot community is going through. And it should really spark ideas about how uh, the Republic of Cyprus is reacting towards this whole situation. And it is yet again a very disappointing fact that there is absolutely no such discussion in the political setting ahead of the elections. And uh, it just goes to show the tragedy of our country. <laughs> um, let's finish our program uh, with a positive note. Wasn't this a very positive note I just gave? I was just <laughs> thinking nothing came to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just conclude on the tragedy of our island. And maybe in this way we can think of uh, how to work for better days. <laughs> yes, yes. And let's not... Uh, wait for hours in the crossing points just to visit um, on you know other part of our our city i, I don't even say the country we'll talk about it in in, in the upcoming program maybe more talk to you later it's great to meet you again kemal the first trilingual podcast station of cyprus island talks open diverse free <laughs>